listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. Susie Lolly, my co-host, is off for this evening. If you've never checked out BeulahGirl.com, I encourage you to do so. I started the site three years ago, and we are just a site devoted to helping you find your identity in Christ. We have articles related to emotional health, physical health, spiritual life, ministry, relationships. We, I say we because not only myself, but I have a a team of writers and contributors. We write about the places we're walking through in our own faith walk, and we share those stories with you in the hope that some of our stories of healing and revelation will help you in whatever place you find yourself into. Now, tonight's episode is one that covers suffering and specifically suffering for doing good or doing the will of God. Now, I want to say that this particular episode comes out of a larger series on suffering. Every year, I I pray about the direction God wants me to go with the blog. I pray about what articles he would want me to write. And when I was praying about this particular year, I really felt for October that I needed to focus on suffering. My previous two articles, the first one I focused on the suffering, you know, is there good that can come out of suffering? And the second article I wrote, which I also did a podcast episode over, you can listen to that one as well if you haven't caught that one yet. But I focused a little bit on where God is when we suffer and is God anywhere around because often it can feel like he's abandoned us in our suffering. And I pulled some examples from the book of Job and some inspiration from the book of Job to kind of support some of the statements I made in that particular piece. But in this piece, we're looking at a different angle of suffering. That is just the suffering that we walk through for doing the will of God. As Christians, sometimes we will encounter hard situations because we do what he tells us to do. Now, we've all had those scenarios in our life where we disobey or we do the thing that we really shouldn't have done and we have a consequence that happens as a result of that. Even if we don't like going through that consequence, we may understand why it has come in our life. That's really not what I'm focusing on in tonight's podcast. I'm talking about those places where you are doing the will of God. You may not be perfect in your walk with him. None of us are, but you're attempting to follow his will. You are obeying his lead in your life, following his lead in your life. And yet you may have found yourself in a circumstance that's confusing, that's not favorable, that's hard. There may be all these trials and you may be wrestling with certain questions, wondering why he's brought you to that place and wondering if, you know, what he could possibly be doing in your life and wondering if he's just playing a mean game with you and bringing you to that place. I do want to say that all of the episodes that I'm able to record here and also the articles I'm able to write come out of my own personal places of learning in my own faith walk with Christ. And this episode is no different. I was able to put together the article that I wrote on this, that this podcast episode is coming out of because of a situation in my own life where God told me to do something. I just with my own human logic, I really didn't think that it was going to turn out favorably, but because I've been walking with God a while and know him to be 
perfect and his will to be perfect and his way to be perfect. And I know that his judgment is better than mine. And I also know that many of the circumstances where I've just gone my own way, all of them, I should say, have ended disastrously. So I knew that I should follow him in, in his lead. And so I didn't argue. I went ahead and did what he wanted. But it didn't exactly turn out the way that I would want it. I'm going to tell you more about that in a minute. So that's kind of the inspiration. So I was a little bit frustrated and wrestling just through some questions I had. And God did answer me. I'm going to share that with you in a minute. But the questions I had in that place of, God, what are you doing here? And are you just trying to be mean? Are not questions that are exclusive to just that I'm, you know, exclusive to just me. I'm not the only one who's had these questions. In fact, if we go back to the book of Job, which I talked about in my previous podcast episode, Job was someone who very much had some of these questions. In fact, towards the end of the book of Job, he accuses God of cruelty and persecution. In Job 30, 21, he says, God, you're being cruel to me and you're persecuting me. And if we look at Job's life, we can understand why he would say some of those things because Job was an upright man. He was following the will of God. He was attempting to adhere his life and the things he did in his life to the commands of God. And yet he still encountered great affliction in his life. And when he was walking through that, he very naturally, in his pain and suffering, said, God, are you... Why are you being cruel to me? Why are you persecuting me? And God answered Job with a very long response, but God's answer is very interesting. One of the things that God says back to Job is he asks him this question. He says, will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? And that's Job 48. And that's the English Standard Version I'm reading to you. The message words it like this. Are you calling me a sinner? so that you can be a saint. In other words, God is saying, Job, with your position, are you saying that you're right and I'm wrong? Are you saying that you've been so upright and your ways are so good that they're better than mine and that you know better than me? And I think often that sometimes if we are doing what he says, that we can kind of take that attitude with God and we can say, well, I'm doing what's right, God. Why are you being so mean to me? But we're essentially accusing God of something he's not capable of. We're essentially accusing him of being wrong when he is never wrong. I love this, but John Bloom, in his article, When God Feels Cruel, which is on DesiringGod.org, he emphasizes the fact that we have to, when we encounter situations where it feels like God doesn't like us. It feels like he's being mean because of what he's told us to do. We have to trust in his goodness despite what our feelings tell us. We have to trust what it says in scripture about God, even if our feelings are telling us something different. What it tells us in scripture about God is that God loves his creation. He loves us. He has favorable intentions towards us as his creation, that he has special purposes and that he works good in the lives of those who have put their trust, faith and trust in him. So for those of us who call ourselves believers, that we have special benefits and privileges. And that is that God 
has good good that he's working in our lives through us, that his purposes are being worked out in, in and through us. It tells us in scripture that God loves us and he loves believers and unbelievers. But we know as, as believers that, again, we have some special privileges and benefits that unbelievers do not. But it says he loves all of creation, even those who turn against him. It tells us in scripture that God's way is perfect, that he never makes a mistake, that he is holy, that he is just, and that he is a good God. And so we have to trust those, those truths about God, even when his way leads us to a place where it feels like his intentions must be bad, or it feels like his will must be a little bit off. In the book of Job, when, when God responds to Job and blows every complaint Job has out of the water with his response, it's, it's much more detailed than what I've told you here. I encourage you to read it if, if you have the chance. But Job immediately recognizes God's sovereignty and his power, and he re repents of his accusations. And he says, God, I spoke of things I did not understand. And he just simply recants his statements and says, you know, he acknowledges like, God, I know that you know what you're doing and I'm just going to stop now. And I think that similarly, when we're in that place of not understanding where God has taken us, not understanding what he's doing, not understanding the pain that we're going through, that it's good to wrestle. It's good to work through those emotions, but ultimately we have to acknowledge, as Job did, that God does know what he's doing. He's running the universe. So even when it feels bad in our lives, we have to know that his will and his way is, is absolutely perfect. And our human wisdom sometimes can't even comprehend what he's doing. So we have to know that. And just like uh, Job got an answer in his situation, I'm going to tell you that situation I was telling you about in my own life, I got an answer as well. And it kind of blew me out of the water and silenced me as well quite quickly. But I knew even as I was making some of my complaints against God, I knew that he was going to answer me in a way that would just, you know, knock my argument right off the, the stand there and that I really had no place to even complain. But I just wanted to, I wanted to argue with him. I wanted to resist. I just was mad because... I didn't like the place that I had been led to, and I just didn't really like being in a place that I couldn't understand. And I didn't like the fact that the situation he had led me to didn't end in good. I felt like, hey, God, if you're going to ask us to do the hard thing, shouldn't it end in a good ending? Shouldn't it end with a happy bow and ribbon tied on top? And that's not what happened and often isn't what happened. So as I was fuming over this, it was the night, it was nighttime. I was kind of raising some complaints in his direction. I kind of got, you know, everything out that I wanted to say. And it was the next morning I opened up my devotional. The devotional was not on suffering. It wasn't, had nothing to do with this topic I'm talking about with you here. But at the bottom of the devotional, there was a scripture link and it was to first Peter four nineteen. And I just felt like clicking on that. So I did. And it said this. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. The moment I read that, I knew that God was answering me. And 
if you haven't been walking with God that long, or you you're you're listening to this and you're wondering what in the world I'm talking about, your heavenly Father will answer you if you call to Him. If you are have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have promises in Scripture that He answers us when we call. It says that in Scripture. And it tells us that if we need wisdom to ask. So we should expect to hear from him. It's not something that only pastors can access or something that only people in the Bible were able to access. You, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have access to the God of the universe. You can pray and talk to him and ask him your questions and he will answer you. And I can honestly say there are some prayers that I've prayed that I still Questions I've asked that I haven't gotten an answer to yet, and I probably maybe won't until my life is over. But there are are things that he has answered me immediately on according to his will. He has given me answers almost immediately on certain certain things that I've raised in his direction. And this this circumstance, certainly he gave me an answer literally hours after I had prayed about the situation. And it was just very clear when I read this, what he was saying to me, and it was that I needed to stop arguing, stop resisting, stop fighting, that I had done what he had said, and yes, it didn't turn out the way I wanted, and it did make sense according to my own human logic, but like Job, I needed to stop fighting and accept that in this scenario that suffering was going to happen and that it was part of the his will for me in that moment. And so... If you're in a similar place where God's will has led to suffering, there's a few things we can break down from this verse and learn just from this passage. Number one, we will suffer for doing his will. That is a hard thing to grasp and understand. But unfortunately, as this passage emphasizes, maybe some of us, maybe I was fighting so hard because I don't want to think that God is going to lead me to suffering. But oftentimes his will leads to that very place and we would like to think that the way he would lead us in would only lead to blessings and great benefits and they and it certainly does many times but unfortunately the reality is that suffering and God's will are not two mutually exclusive terms sometimes the way he leads will lead us straight into pain and we don't always know all the whys it's not so he can beat us down it's not because he doesn't like us it's not so he can watch us struggle. He always has a purpose for whatever he allows in our life, and we have to trust it, but we can't always see it in the moment. There are so many examples from Scripture of men and women who, if they had not done the will of God, they would not have lived the amazing life or had the amazing impact that they were able to have. Moses, if you look at the life of Moses, Maybe he just wanted to retire quietly on the back of a desert and not have to be around a whole lot of people. But instead, he was called to be the leader of the nation of Israel and lead the Hebrews out of the nation of Egypt. This required some great personal suffering and sacrifice. He had to stand up to people from his childhood that he probably did not want to confront he had to lead a very rebellious people in the wilderness. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of complaining. There was a lot of confusion. There were really hard circumstances they faced as they encountered a lot of challenges. 
And God came through for them every time, but he was the one who led this difficult group of people through the desert. And had he at any point just said, you know what, this is just too much for me. I'm out. He would not have, you know, had the amazing impact he did and been able to, to leave the legacy that he did. Now, his legacy is not perfect, just like other people in scripture. There were times that Moses disobeyed or he didn't listen to God perfectly and he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. But we can look at, at Moses' life and say, okay, here's the guy who, although imperfect, definitely followed the will of God no matter where it led him, even though it many times was not easy. Similarly, we can look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary had this incredible honor of being the mother of the Savior of the world, and yet she suffered incredibly. She had to watch her own son die on a cross. There were people in the community that most likely whispered and pointed fingers when she came up pregnant before she was even married. In, in the family, there were people who did not believe Jesus' claims that he was the Messiah. There was tension between family members because some people believed and didn't believe. And Mary, most likely many times, just wanted to say, wow, God, this is too big of a job for me. And yet she accepted the, the job that God had given her. And she just accepted it and said, "It, I will do it because you've said that this is the job for me. And so she is somebody who embraced suffering and, and did God's will in her life, even though it meant really hard circumstances. And then lastly, we can look at Jesus himself. Jesus suffered on his way to the cross and suffered on the cross. We can look at him in the Garden of Gethsemane and he begged God to take that cup of suffering from him and yet God did not take it away. And he went ahead and went through the suffering he did, not because God wanted to beat down his only son, not because God wanted to see him suffer or because God wanted these other two I mentioned, he didn't want to see Moses suffer or Mary suffer, but because God had a greater purpose. And it tells us in scripture, it was for the joy that was set before him that God, that Jesus endured the suffering he did. And because of the suffering he went through, he made a way for all of humanity to be reconciled once again with God. So unfortunately, God's will will often lead us to suffering, but we have to understand that even if we don't know why in the middle of it, there is a greater purpose for our suffering. Number two, despite what happens, we need to commit ourselves to him. The other thing the verse tells us is that even when we're in that situation where obedience doesn't appear to be paying off, we need to commit ourselves to him. God knows his creation. He knows the fickle human heart. He knows how tempted we are to fall away when tough times get tough. We may profess Jesus Christ as our Savior. We may profess how much we love him. And then stuff hits the fan in our life. And we start really wrestling and questioning our faith and whether or not we can really stick through this. I can tell you a really hard period. I've written about it on my blog in my own life where everything that I believed really, I, I started questioning it when um, God called me to leave my job as a teacher and start a, a, a blog ministry, a ministry for women in this area of, of identity and, and worth and finding our identity in Christ. And so many things went wrong. 
that I just really had a struggle and had a hard time with it. I no longer had a paycheck. I no longer had money coming in. I had two small children that I was trying to raise. I had a lot of challenges just in getting a ministry going. I really felt like by myself, even though God had inspired it and was enabling me to start it. There were just so many challenges that I encountered on that journey. I just said so many times, God, I don't want to do this anymore. This is too hard. And just the steps that he had me go through in that journey, which included facing my past and, and finding healing in some areas so that I can be able to share that, of course, with you. It was so hard. And there were so many times I just said, I can't do this anymore. And yet when we're going through that hard time, we need to continue to commit to whatever it is that he's called us to and understand that he's worthy of our trust. In fact, Peter says in this passage, he, he, said, he uses the word faithful to describe the one who holds us in all of our circumstances together. So he's faithful not just when events are favorable in our life, but even in the midst of suffering. And then our last point I want to just draw from this passage in 1 Peter is that even when we suffer, we need to continue to do good. Again, we're so fickle. We're all about doing good if it benefits us. But I'll just tell you personally, when I see I can't see how it's benefiting me, that I have a harder time with doing the right thing. We have to know, though, that God knows what he is doing. And we need to continue doing the right thing, even when it really just doesn't make sense. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I just want to tell you really quickly um, that sometimes our perspective can really change after a situation has already happened. And it may be hard in the moment to continue doing the right thing, but we may have a totally different perspective later. Years ago, before I left teaching, and before I even knew I was going to leave teaching, I pretty much thought that I would be making a career in education. I was a high school English teacher. I really loved my job. I loved the school I taught at. I loved my department. I had great friends. We were very comfortable in our life. And... There were some, of course, ways that I wasn't satisfied just personally in my own, I think, spiritual walk. But as far as on the outside, everything, the pieces in our life were all fitting together, it seemed like. And I didn't think I'd leave education. And another teacher in the department had heard of a master's program in writing. And she approached me one day and just said, hey, you want to do this with me? And it sounded really interesting. It seemed like the most logical next step in my career. Higher education is always a good thing for, you know, just advancement, personal advancement. And I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity. So I took the test. I got accepted in the program. And it, it kind of came time to pay the tuition and get registered for classes. And I had a very uneasy feeling about it. I hadn't heard this direct message from God, like, don't do this master's program, but I just didn't feel that good about it. And so I prayed and I said, Lord, you know, if you don't want me to do this master's program, please make it really obvious. And, and I said, and make it obvious in tomorrow's sermon, because the next day, which was Sunday, 
was the last day to sign up for classes. And I needed to make a decision because otherwise I needed to get enrolled in, in the right classes and, and get going with it. So I, I prayed that. The very next day during the sermon, the sermon was not, again, on education. It wasn't didn't have anything to do with it. And I will just tell you that the former, the church I went to before we moved, the they very much emphasize education. The pastor himself has a PhD. But at some point in the sermon, I don't even know if it had anything to do with the sermon or why he said this, but the pastor, of course, who had no knowledge of what I was going through, no knowledge that I had prayed the day before, he just stopped in the middle of the sermon and he looked in my direction, <laughs> literally looked in the very area I was sitting in, like turned his body toward, I was sitting up on the balcony he just paused for a minute and he said something to the effect of, you know, education and training are really good, but sometimes it's it's not right for everyone to to continue pursuing that higher education. Sometimes God, you know, says no. He said something along those lines. And I just knew when he said those words, okay, God said no to me. It didn't make sense. I thought that it was going to be the next logical step in my career. I thought I needed this master's degree. I love teaching writing. I was interested in this program. I thought it would be perfect, but I knew in that moment God was saying no, that maybe for someone else this master's program would have been right, but for me in that moment, it wasn't the right thing. And so I went home. It was it was hard. I did not enroll in those classes. The next day, there was another, the teacher who had asked me to join the program and another teacher who was also gonna do it, they were talking about the program and what classes they were gonna take initially. And they were so excited about it. And I, you know, it's hard. I felt left out. I felt kind of like a loser. I felt like the only teacher in the department who was going to have just a, a bachelor's degree. And I didn't know why God had said no. It just seemed like it didn't really make any sense. But not too long after I said no to that master's degree, I got pregnant with my daughter, I had a very hard time during that pregnancy. I, I just could barely get through going to work. I was very sick during the first trimester. And then I was busy at home with a small child and trying to work at the same time. And then not too long after that, I got pregnant with my son. And then God gave me the call to leave teaching and said, I want you to go in a different direction. And I had no idea when I was trying to get the, you know, apply for this bachelor's. I had no idea that I was going to leave education. I had no idea that finances were going to be so slim and so non-existent after I left teaching. And so, yeah, if I had gotten the master's degree, that would have been great. I write articles, so surely they, that it would have been a good thing to have more training in writing. But for whatever reason, it just wasn't the right thing for me. And I obviously didn't need that master's degree for the teaching side of it, but maybe there were other reasons that God said no. Maybe there were influences at that in that program that he didn't want me around, or maybe it just would have taken me away from my family that I needed to be there for my family. And I was already away because I had a full-time career. So he just led me away from that choice. And I could see down the road that it, I have a different perspective now than I did then. I'm glad that I don't have that master's degree debt to pay off. We already have enough debt as it is because my husband has gone back to school. 
And so I, I just have a different perspective of it. And there, there may be a point where I do go back to school. I hope there is a point, but I, I know that it just wasn't right for me at the time and I had to surrender to as well. So similarly, there can be some really good things that, that present themselves in our lives that God is telling us no to. And we may question why God, you don't want me to be part of this. It may make us feel like isolated from other people or make us feel different or weird, but God ultimately knows what's best. And years down the road, we may be able to look back and say, okay, I see what you're doing. And even if we can't, we have to trust that he knows better than us the way that we need to go. It says in Proverbs 16, 9, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. I'm going to wrap this up. Basically, I hope what you're left with this evening is just the idea that God's way is good. He is good. And we have to trust that even if it doesn't feel good. If you are in a place of suffering right now because of what God has told you to do, I just want you to take heart to keep doing what's right. Keep up, you know, the good faith because it will all matter in the end. And that the only way you can truly have peace and rest in your heart is by doing what God says. Matthew Henry, who was a minister in England, he's written commentary on scripture, a good portion of scripture. He says, you know, he, I read this once that he said, the way of duty is the way of rest. And I may have mixed that up, but it's, you know, basically when we, what he's saying is when we do what we're supposed to do, when we do what God asks, that's the way we have peace in our heart. We can't get that from going to a spa going on a vacation, from getting our nails done, doing the will of God is what brings peace in our lives, even if it brings circumstances that we would not have chosen. So guys, just to conclude, I want to pray for you. I thank you so much for listening. Again, check out BeulahGirl.com if you haven't. Free resources or simply subscribe to this podcast. I'd love to hear from you if you want to leave a comment below. Let me just go ahead and pray to conclude this episode. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word which tells us how we are to conduct ourselves. Thank you so much for your will and your way, which is perfect. Thank you so much that you care enough about us, that you direct our steps, and that we may plan things, we may hope for things, but ultimately you know what's best in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do your will. I pray if, if for those listening, if they are in a place of suffering, that you would bring your comfort and your strength and your help to them, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them to just hold fast to your truths and help them no matter how difficult it is or how much opposition they're facing to continue to do right, to continue to do good, knowing that in the end, they are going to reap a reward that they will have peace in their heart that passes all understanding. And I thank you so much for your word and for being the, the kind of God who cares so much about your creation. In Jesus' name, amen.